Well, hello, hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. As always, I'm your host, Chad Michael Bouton. And thank you so much for clicking on a brand new episode of Hindsight is 20 slash 200. Hope you guys have been enjoying the content of season three so far. Again, brief reminder for those uh, that might have not uh, heard, season three is going to be uh, featuring a lot of the guests that should have been in season two. Of course, if you would like an explanation for what happened with season two, please go back and listen to the first episode. And you can find that first episode on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Cut. Apple Podcast, no Apple Podcast. Please tell your friends, tell your family, tell your family's family. Hindsight is 20 slash 200 Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. Anyways, we have some awesome guests today. Um, they are good friends of the show, and uh, I enjoy their podcast a lot. And they're here to talk about um, what they do, their podcast, and hopefully after we're done, you'll go over and watch their latest episode. They are the great and powerful Angie and Kimberly of This Is What Blind Looks Like. Hey, hi. Hey. What's up? Hey, how are you guys doing? Great. Awesome. Uh, great introduction. I feel like there should be like applause <laughs> added. In yes, yes. There should be some applause and maybe some confetti thrown. <laughs> maybe <laughs> when I can finally, uh, everything, you know, technology wise is, is stable. I can one day do video. And then every time I say that, when you guys say, hey, they're just confetti and then like a choir goes off. Oh, that'd be really cute. <laughs> People are always like, I need to take you with me everywhere I go. So like every time my uh, my meetings, I can have, you, oh, excuse you, Chad. Introducing the great and powerful. Yes. <laughs> Anyways, how are you guys doing? Uh, you guys been doing great since the last time we talked. Yeah, you know, Thank we're doing, you. yeah. Thank you. We're doing great. Uh, um, you know, we're in our in our third season um we just recorded our what is it our 10th episode i think um that has yet to be out mm. um and uh you know i've been doing good personally myself you mm. know just uh applying and interviewing for jobs i had mm. a job interview yesterday i i'm hoping and praying that something good comes out of it <laughs> uh, fingers crossed that <laughs> me I too yeah. thank you yeah. and, and you know my dog draco is doing well he's back with his trainer for uh formal harness training and he's just doing great he's killing it so <laughs> Which, gonna uh, be proud of him i'm sure we definitely we'll probably get into that um because um you know very um unique way that you're going about the training that uh most people would probably uh, like to uh, learn a little bit more about why you decided to do the, you know, do it the way you did. So we probably we'll definitely get into that if you're okay with it. Yeah. No, no, of course. Absolutely. <laughs> I love, I love talking about him and boasting. <laughs> I think he knows that. I mean, I know the last episode we recorded, uh, he was here. I'm really yeah. sad that that footage got lost, but he was, you know, wagging his tail uh -huh. and he was looking up at me like, he's like, I know you're talking about me. I know it, you know? <laughs> Well, he's a very smart, very smart boy. So, well, in, in spirit of, of, of Draco, I, I've got Andros here with me looking up at me as I say his name. So, uh, Draco, if you're listening, we love you, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, before we go any further, can you guys please introduce yourself to my guests who are listening and let them know who you are? Yeah. So, my name is Angie, and I am the host of This is What Blind Looks Like, well, host and producer. 
Um, and uh, I love podcasting. It's, it's just been a wonderful outlet to educate. Um, right? mm-hmm. And um, I'm always looking for new, you know, new, new, new topics, new people to interview, new, new mm-hmm. things to talk about. And uh, I um, also enjoy talking to and getting to know other blind creators as well. Mm-hmm. So that's always a plus about doing this is just making new friends as, as I go along. And um, it's great. Um, I am currently job searching. I'm on mm-hmm. the market to find a job. Uh, and I also have a um, guide dog and training who is in formal harness training. I'm working with a private trainer. Mm-hmm. Um, so you'll get to know a little bit more <laughs> about that as well. Right, right. Well, Kimberly, if you would please, can you introduce yourself? No. <laughs> okay, well. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you guys, we were going to have her on, but she just, she just won. So, uh, Angie, back to you. <laughs> um, I, I, you walked right into that. So. I know, I know. Um, I deserve I'm, it. <laughs> I'm Kimberly. I am the co-host and writer of This Is What Blind Looks Like. I was asked by Angie over Facebook. She was asking for to be clear um Mm -hmm. someone to be a co-host who is a woman Mm -hmm. and is blind so i hit her up and like yeah because i'm a attention getter and i like to talk (laughs) and so um i didn't know anything about podcasts but i was like you know i've always wanted to write a blog and this is close enough right and I right now I am taking classes for um, to be certified in Braille transcription and this would allow me to Braille assignments in textbooks for the blind Mm -hmm. or be a proofreader and so that's what I'm doing along with the podcast and just a lot of other blindness organization stuff that I'm a chapter president of and I'm on Mm. the state board and that takes up a lot of time too but things keep me busy and I love I have a passion for all of it Mm -hmm. so uh, I'd like to ask so um, you know my my listeners can learn a little bit more about you are are you both comfortable with sharing um, your uh, visual impairments yeah absolutely Mm. So, um, which, whichever of you would like to go first. Yeah, sure. Um, I, I have um, ROP, which is retinopathy of prematurity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I also have a secondary diagnosis of peripheral retinal degeneration, which mm-hmm. means the peripheral, like the sides of my retinas are thinning. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I'm also still very much prone and will always be prone to uh, retinal attachments so mm. always have to watch out for that fun fun right yeah um <laughs> um i technically have vision in one eye mm. um which i see about 20 250 so i'm legally mm. blind um and uh my left eye i only have peripheral vision which is just um Limited to color, shadow, hand movement, shapes, 
light. Um, so I can only see about three feet. Okay. Um, they you know, can never really get an acuity for that. So. Right. But yeah, my right eye, um, my central vision is better than my peripheral in my mm. right eye. Um, I'm also severely nearsighted in that eye as well. Um, but hey, you know, um, it's just, yeah, gotta, you know, do what you can with what you've got. And uh, that's pretty much me in a nutshell. I mean, I do struggle with night blindness and uh, yeah. some light sensitivity. Mm-hmm. You know how it is. Yeah, the photophobia. <laughs> when you've got, yeah, when you've got retinal issues. So. Kimberly, yeah. what about you? I have glaucoma. I also have had two failed cornea transplants in my, I call it my good eye, my left eye. Mm-hmm. My right eye has light perception. Okay. I, um, because of my failed cornea transplants, my vision is very blurry. Mm-hmm. I can see color and light and shapes, but no detail. And I found out recently I have a genetic syndrome that you guys if you want to know more about that's our august episode (laughs) stay tuned yeah (laughs) can't spoil everything right (laughs) so um i just wanted to talk um a little bit about maybe um your your your, both of your individual um lived experiences like how has it been for you um living with the fact that you've been losing your vision due to uh, both of your individual disabilities? Um, I mean, I would say for me, like, it's more of like a, you know, I'm not, I mean, I've seen like changes throughout the years, but not like super drastic changes. Like, right. you know, for like somebody like Kimberly, for example. Uh-huh. Um, but, you know, throughout those changes that I notice, I'm just kind of like, okay, um, I find that I get more fatigued a lot easier than what I used to, mm-hmm. um, when I was younger, or, like, um, I, you know, some days, like, you know, and here's the thing with me, mm-hmm. since I was very young, I've always been told that my vision fluctuates and Mm. it also depends on like the day that I'm having Mm. the day that I'm having depends on my vision so like sometimes I'm having a wonderful day yeah and other times (laughs) I'm having a not so good day and it's just like okay I can definitely tell that I'm not having a good day because like I'm running into something or like (laughs) I'm you know you know so that's you know it's like for me and I'm just gonna I'm, I'm just kind of like well I'm gonna just deal with it uh-huh. um this is all I've known this is all I've ever known mm-hmm. so I mean though I've always been like for a warn as a warning like make sure you know like ever since I was really little like make mm-hmm. sure you know the warning signs of when your retina is gonna detach right or when your retina is detaching like if you ever see a curtain going down mm. or if you see new floaters you know because I I see floaters mm-hmm. all the time it's a normal for me I hate them so um, much I oh <laughs> I hate them so much too oh my god they're just so annoying like I always see them like there isn't a time that I don't and like 
for me, I like, you know, was always curious, like, does everyone see blueberries or is it just me, you know? Because, like, when you're a kid, you don't know. Yeah. So, I mean, but yeah, no, I, um, yeah, floaters, light uh-huh. flashes. Yep. Like, new, like, new floaters. I mean, I, um, I mean, I do occasionally see flashing lights. Same. You know, but it's just a thing that happens with your retina, but like. Right, 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 right. Yeah, no, I've always been told if you see a curtain, if you see like a lot more going on than what usually happens, like, uh-huh. oh, you know. Yeah, yeah. Re- recently I've been seeing um, a lot more uh, lights than I used to. And of course, you know, I- I'm I'm nearly like two decades into losing my vision because of um, retinitis pigmentosa. But recently right. I've been seeing like these, um, these blinking lights and what's weird is like they blink but they blink in a circle where it's almost like the uh you know like the little like the loading circle that you get on your computer yeah yeah yeah. yes i get those and i've been getting like this is just something that's happened recently but like i told this to a friend they're like um are you okay i'm like (laughs) yeah i think it's just my vision and like you like it's it's weird because to them they're like is he having a seizure or something but then you're just like no i'm pretty sure it's just my retinas do you see them in like different colors? Um, usually they are like a greenish to a greenish yellow. Okay. Wow. Mine are always like, well, when it happens, it uh, hasn't happened right now as we speak, but like, right. They're like a pink and yellow for me. I do get these weird um, rings, pink rings that sometimes when I close my eyes, they will circle around um, my, like, when, like in my, my, my field of vision. And I can really yeah. like watch them move around and break apart, um, and, like in my eyes, basically. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I know people that are listening, they're like, what the fuck are they talking about? Yeah, I know. Like, <laughs> but you know, it's just I mean, like, to the outside, really this, is, this is normal to us though. Right, and I don't really share like the fact that I see floaters at the time, or the yeah. or the fact that I occasionally see light flashing. Mm-hmm. But it's just something that happens, and you have yeah. a you know retinal issue. Yeah, Kimberly, what um what about you? Um, you know what has been your you know lived experience um so far with uh you know your glaucoma, your 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 corneal implants you know for you what has it been like um you know growing up with your visual impairment well I was born with cataracts Mm -hmm. and glaucoma and um at two and a half months old I started to wear glasses Mm -hmm. and I I already went through the vision that I have in my right eye which is just light sensitivity Mm -hmm. or I mean um light perception perception but I grew up pretty much wearing glasses those Mm -hmm. thick glasses and then when I was 18 everything changed with surgeries and Mm -hmm. throughout my 20s I had surgeries and um um within one year I actually not like separate surgeries because Mm -hmm. they've like lumped a couple surgeries together Mm -hmm. so I don't want to say I was under the knife this many times but it was like combined all the surgeries that I had within 
a dozen uh-huh. at one point um, for glaucoma mm-hmm. and trying to put a shunt in my eye and then that shunt reject- rejecting yeah. and just so on and so forth. So through my 20s, I had, through my early 20s, I had lots of problems from 18 to about 25. Mm-hmm. And it was a huge grieving process because mm-hmm. my vision went back and forth with the failed cornea transplants. Because when I got them, it was like really good vision. Right. And started to get worse and worse and then stayed there. And then I got another one and it was the same process. And then I'm pretty much to the point where I have less vision than I had to begin with. Mm-hmm. And those surgeries were supposed to make my vision better. Yeah. And so I'm kind of a different case. But mm-hmm. so there was a lot of grieving as mm-hmm. far as that with the grieving process and being really down and just a roller coaster of emotions. And Mm -hmm. um, after I got adjustment to blindness training, I was more confident in my skills. And we all have triggers or bad days sometimes, or we don't keep up on the skills we've learned. And then, Mm. you know, there are things that make me anxious as would anyone. (laughs) (laughs) But so that's where I'm at right now. It's pretty much the same. And this year would be, um, I told my mom and she was like, are you okay? You know, that are you depressed about it? But this year I've had, wait, no. When I was 36, I was realized that for half my life I was blind and half my life I could see it was Mm. like that kind of realization like I've spent half my life this way and half my life the other way and to the halfway points right and I always like think of my life with sight and my life without sight and that's Mm. how I kind of remember things as far as like milestones and mm-hmm. things so and i'll be like how do you remember that it's because i had sight then right you know or whatever so it's it it was rough for mm-hmm. me it was very rough yeah yeah i I'm, i would say that's been a very similar um you know kind of experience for me is because mine is a very slow progressive so even though I was going blind the entire time or losing my vision at say the entire time, I could still see and do everything on my own. So like, I I feel like I'm in like a very similar kind of situation where it's like, I have kind of been on both sides of the coins. Like I can remember being able to do all these things perfectly because I had, you know, enough vision to do it and could still be independent and confident. And then now I'm on the other side where I can no longer do all these things, but I can look back and say, man, I remember when I could do this, or I remember when I did this. And then you're like, now I, I have to have this device or, you know, my mom helped me do this and that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Do and you like, think, oh, like for me, I almost feel glad that I grew up with a vision I did because I can imagine things. Mm-hmm. I can picture things like if someone says it's this type of flower it's this color I can actually like picture it with my brain so some people ask me that like Mm. are you 
glad that you had those years of sight. I'm like, I kind of am, even though I lost most of it, mm -hmm. I can still picture things in my mind. And with audio description, I can mm -hmm. like follow what they're saying as far as describing things. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the big debate is like, like what I don't think anyone truly knows, like, <laughs> and I don't think there's a right answer to like, what's the best way to go blind? You know, yeah. I just I think that's such like a weird subjective thing to ask. Um, right. Or but, even like, or even assuming like, oh, you must have more like, you know, like more vision or better vision than somebody else. Because right. like, you know what, blindness is a spectrum, and yeah, yeah. none of us see the same. Yeah. None of us do. Yeah. None of us do. like. There's no, different no. things that like. There's th there's you know. Even if you have the same disease. Yeah, mm -hmm. everyone's different. Like there's no. There's no similar thing. I mean, yeah, we might, there might be things that like are relatable. Yes. But like, for example, I can't, I can't see um, like uh, facial expressions unless mm. I'm like looking really close at somebody <laughs> or like, or I can't recognize people from yeah. like a distance, mm -hmm. you know, unless there's something that sticks out to me. Like, unless I know that, you know, there's only, like, one way they have their hair or if they always have, you know, something with them that I can just be like, okay, that's so-and-so. I know it's them, you know? Mm -hmm. Or, like, oh, I saw somebody wearing a red shirt, you know? And mm -hmm. now they're walking, um, they're walking in the distance. That has to be them, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like something like that and or like i've had i've had i've had people i cannot speak today i've had people tell me or ask me how do you know that was me <laughs> and i'm like i know it's you because you wear your you guys her hair a certain way <laughs> it's you or or like for example um oh I was gonna say something else and now I can't even I can't even think about it or like yeah, if someone yeah. if someone I know changes their hair or like uh, changes something that I don't recognize mm. I won't be able to tell that it's them until I hear them speak right yes and I, like, I'm the same sometimes, sometimes people will be like oh you didn't notice me and I'm like uh there was nothing about you that like stuck out to me. So, like, I didn't <laughs> recognize that it was you until I heard you talk. Yeah. You know, and I like, I'm very good at like remembering people's voices. Like, um, I I still do this as an adult, but I remember doing this as a little kid. Like, if I if I was at a store and I lost track of my mom, mm. the only way that I would find my mom is by listening to her talk. Yeah, mm -hmm. that would be the only way for carries. yeah, that would be the only way for me to. If they're like, "What did your mom look like?" I'm like, "Well, just send me to the police because um, you, we're, <laughs> we're not going to get any leads off of my advice." <laughs> like I can tell you how my mom like wears her hair and what color her hair is, right? Yeah, I would just give the most. I just give the, um, cisgender female, Caucasian black hair brown eyes um did that help it at all no yeah i didn't think it was going to 
right. My mom would hate it when we'd <laughs> go to the service desk, even if we don't need to, and have them call her name over the intercom. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I remember being a little girl and like getting lost and like crying because I couldn't find oh. my mom mm. and like going to the service desk. Aww. Oh. Yeah, I mean that that's like the worst way to, to realize, oh, my vision's getting worse because I couldn't find my mom in the store on my own. Mm-hmm. I want to real Let's... real quickly go back and answer a question you asked me though, Kimberly. And for me, I think it has made it a little bit easier to lose my vision because I did have time, you know, I had at least 10. 10 years before I, it was bad enough to where I had to get my guide dog. So I'd say for at least like a solid 10 years, I could see things, you know, know what colors I'm wearing or what colors I'm looking at, you know, still see facial expressions and, you know, you know, kind of tells. And I do think for me, it has at least made the grieving that we've talked about a little bit easier because I can at least go, well, you know, at least I got to do that in my lifetime, or at least I got to go to this and see it. You know, I, I got to go yeah. to Hawaii and I can remember and picture what Hawaii looked like. Cause I had enough vision. It's like, to yeah. me, that has made it easier, but of course it's, it's still been hard because of course it's, it's always going to be hard, but I feel in a way it, it, it might, it, it has helped. I would say it has helped. Right. Mm. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but um, you both met at a at um a camp, correct? Yes. Right, right. Can you can you um explain uh you know know a little bit to how you both um initially met each other? Okay, so um, I was I was a kid. I was like 16 at the time. Mm-hmm. We there was this, there was this annual like uh camp, I guess like event. For the blind called ski for light and it was in the winter mm-hmm. um and and that's how i met kimberly and a bunch of our mutual friends is through that and just for those that are listening um basically ski for light is letting you guys ski yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah with um with a guide. cross-country ski with the guide like mm-hmm. you're not holding on to them but they ski alongside of you mm-hmm. and they give you like verbal directions yeah, i don't think i'd ever be brave enough to do that. <laughs> <laughs> there's like two sets of track uh-huh. and, um cross-country is like flat like, okay there might be you'll you're on path okay yeah that so might make it a little a couple easier of hills but it wasn't like downhill skiing right yeah my sister, we went to call, no, we went to North Carolina one year for uh, like a, just a winter like vacation. And she went downhill skiing with my dad. Of course, we're both very far along in our vision loss. And I can't remember if she crashed into someone or oh, is no. she almost crashed into someone. And they're like, whoa, whoa, are you okay? And my, well, she's like, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. And then my, of course, my dad, he grew up in New York, so he's familiar of all things ice and snow. And he, you know, 
you know, stops and waits for her and then helps her get down. But I'm just like, you know, kudos to her doing downhill skiing when she literally can't see who she's about to crash into. Right. <laughs> I've heard that can be done with like a hula hoop and a guide. A hula hoop. Yeah, you each of you is on one end of the hula hoop uh-huh. and you go downhill skiing and that way like you don't lose track of each other. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I actually, this has nothing to do with being blind and downhill skiing, but I tell this story every time someone brings it up. But so when I was like in sixth grade for Girl Scouts, we went downhill skiing. It was the first time I've been. And so after I got off the training in the Bunning Hill, we, you know, did the typical downhill skiing. And I was with one of my friends and we knew that the, um, to go on like the gentle giant one, that that was the beginner's one. It was Uh like three from the ski lift. Well, later that day, the ski lift broke. So we went on a different one, but we totally forgot that one. So we went three down and it happened to be a, black diamond one Ooh. and Ooh. like the most intense <laughs> and we're going down it we did not fall uh-huh. but it was epic like we we're like oh this I don't remember it being like this before <laughs> oh now you can see that you that you that you skied a black diamond yes yeah, it's, it's, yeah. like, it's like names are like dead man's drop or some you know scary yeah. name they give those 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 ones <laughs> Well, we didn't realize till we like tromped into like the lodge and like the Girl Scout leaders and my mom were there. They're like, did you just realize? Why did you go down that hill? And we're like, <laughs> oh, that explains it. Okay. But like we didn't fall or anything. And so like we were like, well, I guess we got our practice in before we went on. <laughs> Good to know that's not three down anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 that that made you learn your pizza french fries real fast oh yes <laughs> yes <laughs> so how long after um you guys initially met at this um you know kind of like the summer camp was it until the well, oh, go ahead, it wasn't sorry. a summer camp oh, it was a winter camp it right. was at a summer camp but they oh. had this event during the weekend winter. so yeah, it was at a summer camp location, but okay. they rented out the summer camp just gotcha. to be. Yeah, so it was a winter event. Okay, so okay. you're right there. <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> Sorry. Well, no, 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 it's fine, it's fine. Uh, I was just going to ask, how long after you both initially meet, do you get back in contact in terms of starting the podcast? Oh, gosh. Jeez. <laughs> years and years <laughs> yeah yeah let's see angie you were 16 when did you start it well the podcast at least 14 years right yeah that we've been friends yes that and we started the podcast mm, we started the podcast about maybe three four years ago okay okay so but no, but we've been friends for a long time prior to that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, you know, quite quite a... At least a decade. Yeah, yeah, quite a quite a 
length of time between when you both initially met and then started podcast. Did you both stay in contact be, um, between this time? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Um, at first, it was a little difficult because, well, there was like instant messenger and stuff, but mm. we weren't like super close like we are now. Right. Right. Uh, but throughout the years, we got close. Mm. Yes. So um, what made the podcast start? Um, Angie, what, what made you want to create your own podcast and then reach out to, you know, just anyone? And of course, Kimberly ends up seeing it and contacts you, you know, but how did you get the idea for the podcast? I got the idea because, you know, I was just always just like, wanting to educate about blindness mm -hmm. and just like wanting to sit and talk about it and like I you know was watching like blind youtubers all the time mm -hmm. and uh I was just like I want to do something like this I want to do something mm -hmm. you know and I always kept on saying if I could create a podcast mm -hmm. I'm gonna call it this is what blind looks like because everyone's always just like well, you don't look blind. Right. You don't look blind. What does blind look like? Come on. Like, you know, that's where I got the name. And I was just like, okay, if I start a podcast, this is what it's going to be. We're going to talk about all these topics. Mm -hmm. and, like, and we're going to, you know, and I really want a woman as my co-host. Right. Because there, like, there isn't all the, pod, all the blindness podcasts that I was listening to were men. Mm-hmm. Or mostly men. And mm -hmm. I was just like, no. I want all, like, I want an all-women right. podcast. And originally, it was going to be, like, me and two co-hosts. Mm -hmm. Like, I thought I had it all set up. And then, like, I had people, like, kind of back out on me. And I'm like, all right. Mm -hmm. So that's when I posed the question to Facebook. I'm like, hey, look, I'm going to start this podcast. Mm -hmm. And I'm really looking for a co-host but I specifically want a woman to mm -hmm. be my co-host. Mm -hmm. And so then, like, I had a bunch of people, you know, oh, what about a man? They're like, oh, but you want a woman? Like, why? <laughs> and I was just like, because there isn't any, like, right. I want a minority. Like, I want representation. That's mm -hmm. what I want, you know? So then Kimberly saw my status. So she messages me and goes, hey, I want to do something like that, mm -hmm. you know? And I'm like, all right, you're in. So then, like, I created, like, a Dropbox folder and everything. And, mm -hmm. like, I, you know, this was, like, after I worked on the proposal with one of my mentors. Because I was just telling her so much about it. And she's like, you know what? She's like, stop talking to me about it. Stop telling me about it. Yeah. Write a sit down, write, write a proposal, and just yeah. do it. And I right. said, okay. <laughs> and so, like, she helped me get, like, set up and everything. And, like, set up my studio for it you know, and we've been doing it for about three years, and, like, mm. it's just, you know, I, I still sit and think about, like, um, creating a YouTube channel, but mm. YouTube is so saturated, <laughs> so saturated, not only that, but I think of, like, the logistics, like, I would have to find an editor, I would have to no. hire no. a person to edit, a person to, like produce my videos and like help yeah. me produce content you yeah. know and that takes a lot of money i um, can definitely speak to that i i attempted to do a gaming channel you know um, recently within like the last two years 
of course, I'm being visually impaired, trying to show people to just play games. And then the ones that I couldn't play on my own, I had a friend sit down with me and like sit with me while we're playing and lead me. Um, but yeah. like you said, it's so saturated that no matter how much promotion or networking I tried to do, I never got anywhere. And then within like, like those first two years, we never gained really any sort of following. So I was just like, I, YouTube, I can't do it unless like, right. And to me, I feel nowadays it would be easier to do like TikTok YouTube shorts. Cause I feel yeah, like I, that's easier. Right. Exactly. And you know what? Actually I'm on TikTok. Mm -hmm. I'm on TikTok. Mm -hmm. I don't, um, I don't heavily promote myself on TikTok, mm -hmm. but there's a bunch of blind creators on TikTok who I've become friends with. Mm -hmm. I'm actually friends with Molly Burke on TikTok, by the way. Nice. Um, you yeah, Mitch. Name a few. Humble brag. Humble brag, right? <laughs> exactly. Um, and you know, I I still dream of having her on a on on a podcast episode because she, along with Lucy Edwards and. Mm -hmm um fashionista like mm -hmm. they were the three blind youtubers that i uh, absolutely started seeing and i just kind of gained a little bit of inspiration of like oh yeah i kind of want to do something like this but i want to like do a podcast right you know because i started thinking to myself like if i do a youtube channel like i can't find anything that sets me apart from these three women already yeah because yeah. I like fashion. I like makeup. I have a mm, dog. Right. You know, and it's just like, <laughs> I don't, you know what I mean? Yeah, I no, no. Somebody else that right. fits into that mold. So, because, you know, everybody's unique. Mm -hmm. You know, I also, what else do I like? I mean, I, I like audio. I like audio. Um, mm -hmm. I like to record podcasts. Mm -hmm. I, you know, don't I don't really play much anymore, but I used to play the piano often. I like I'm into dog training. I guess that's one thing that kind of just me apart a little bit, right? Like yeah. I mean, my dog, I um, you know, yeah, he's working with a private trainer and stuff like that, but I was also, you know, I did I did help co-raise my dog and mm -hmm. I did teach him like a couple tricks and I also taught him his commands you know, um, in French after. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, I taught my dog French. And here's the thing. <laughs> I, I like languages. Uh -huh. um, and my first pet dog, I taught her commands in English, German, and, and uh, Spanish because I was taking German in high school. Mm -hmm. And then my second dog, I taught her commands in English, Spanish, and French. Uh, and now with him, with Draco, it's just English and French. I'm not teaching him Spanish because my family is Spanish speaking. Uh -huh. And I wouldn't want anybody Confuse to like, think that they can command him, yeah. you know? So, and, you know, uh, it's fun. It's fun for me. You know, he's, mm. he's picked up, he's picked up the French, um, <laughs> Very well, very easily, you know. That's what sophisticated dog. Yes, and you know what? <laughs> and I decided to do it because I was actually teaching myself French on uh, Duolingo. Mm -hmm. 
I was teaching myself French on Duolingo. I stopped, <laughs> but I want to, I want to keep going uh-huh. a little bit, but yeah, I know I, I taught him some French dog commands and, <laughs> um, you know, like you can look up dog commands in different languages. So I was kind of, yeah. I kind of did that too and uh-huh. taught myself. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, like, you know, he knows, Mm-hmm. He knows Asti, which is sit. He knows couche, which is down. He knows appear, which is heel, and uh, bien, which is come, and um, class, which is stay. So, I mean, he, you know, we do that. And obviously, we're going to, once I know the English guide commands, right? I plan to transfer it over to French, you know, so he can know gouche and droit, you know, that's <laughs> left and right, and, you know, which is forward and you know all that good stuff you know it sounds more like like you're training your daughter to be a translator (laughs) i know (laughs) yes especially that first one that new spanish french and english i'm like that is one um i know that dog has a legit (laughs) resume yeah oh yeah yeah my first dog knew English, German, and uh, Spanish. Oh my goodness. It's like that dog so. could go work at an embassy. <laughs> I know, for the UN, right? <laughs> it's like, excuse me, yeah. we're going to we're gonna have to bring in um, our dog translator. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> I mean, well, when Draco comes to be with me, he'll be our executive producer. So <laughs> <laughs> gotta so watch cute. out because there's a guide dog series in the works. That's cute. I love that. Yes. Trademark. Actually, you, you, I, need, you need to trademark it. Yes. I'm actually, <laughs> uh, actually, I have uh, Molly Burke for inspiration on, you know, uh, deciding to create my own guide dog series. So, mm, yeah. Yeah. That, I, um, I did mine um, in the first season with um, the organization that I got um, Andros from. So I was oh, able nice. Yeah, it was it was great. I was really happy. Um, actually, my origin story is basically the reason I created my uh, my anchor account was so that I could work with a uh, he he hosts um, uh, blind blind sanity, um, and he was mm-hmm. he just recently like he just turned fifty and is now starting to lose his vision from retinitis pigmentosa. So oh, he's wow. just having to start learn how to use a cane and he hates learning the cane. So he wanted to oh. know about guide dogs. And I had reached out to him and told him like, you know, here's kind of my background. And he's like, cool. Do you want to help me create a guide dog series? So I did that for him first, literally oh, didn't wow. have any of my equipment set up. So like I did his guide dog series for him, helping him create it. And then I created my own. Um, but this time it was great because then I actually got to sit down with the actual employees of the organization. And of course, I actually did work for Southeastern for a number of years as well. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it, awesome. it, it, it was fun. I, I was really happy to do my guide dog series because, of course, uh, you know, it's changed my life forever. Yeah. I mean, I, I've heard people say once you're a dog user, you never go back. Yeah. No, it's, it's anyway. true. I can never go back to a cane. I mean, you know, yeah, there's going to be times where you're going to use your cane, right? Because right, right. dogs get sick. Of course, yeah. There's going to be places where you won't want to bring your dog. But... 100%. But solely relying on it, I, I could never go back to being just, that's the only thing I use to navigate. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, that anymore. makes sense. 
So, so but, I do want to rewind just a little bit. Um, and Kimberly, and talk to you. Um, you know, we talked, uh, Angie talked about how, you know, she was inspired by, you know, Molly Burke and um, Fashion Needle, you know, all these amazing, you know, big time, super inspirational um, creators. Um, and she's like, you know, I want to do something like this too. So, you know, she puts together her proposal, reaches out, and then you see her message. Now, at this time, were you, was this something that you were looking to do? Or was this just something that you felt you were called to become involved with? It kind of fell in my lap. And mm -hmm. I've always wanted to inform people about being blind. Mm -hmm. I actually do speeches at my sister's school every mm -hmm. year to fifth graders. And they're like so inquisitive. And mm -hmm. I bring all my assistive tech right. and everything use and the braille alphabet cards and they're so interested yeah, and yeah. so it's something i've done before mm -hmm. and i'm really good at public speaking people say i'm well spoken mm -hmm. and so that's why i'm like slash writer because sometimes mm -hmm. i come up with like the interview questions uh -huh. and things like that but i i never listened to a podcast before that mm -hmm. I knew what one was, mm -hmm. but I was like, Angie, advise me what equipment to get and <laughs> everything. And we're like, you know, we're going to try doing this. Uh -huh. And uh, we we figured it out. And Angie's got the skills with mm -hmm. the editing and the studio and everything. Mm -hmm. And there's me that's like, we brainstorm off mm -hmm. each other and um you know think of guests and get guests but yeah I I never expected to do it but I feel it is a calling also mm -hmm. because I want people to learn things that I didn't know it's like my way of giving back because right. when I was losing my vision I didn't have a support group we looked for one in my area there was mm -hmm. not right I, I I desperately needed one right. <laughs> and therapists just don't know mm -hmm. anything mm -hmm. about how to help you as far right. as adaptations they right. listen, yeah. but they can't advise you mm -hmm. or they'll be like well can your church help you I can't get to church like <laughs> here <laughs> just take a mouthful of medicine number like <laughs> you know yeah so I yeah even if the phone number I can't write it down it's just like yeah so mm -hmm. I really want it's my way of giving back and that's mm -hmm. why I'm a part of blindness organizations too because I want to help people learn things that they might not know about like mm -hmm. the elderly people or kids or just all aspects in between mainly people who are going through blindness that need to know about what's out there and it makes me really happy that mm -hmm. there's people learning the other day I was with a worker for like a state agency with mm -hmm. who was asking me about because they're they have clients who are blind and mm -hmm. they wanted to know what stuff I used and so I was advising them and then I told them about our podcast and mm -hmm. she listened she goes I love it it's so informative and then when I catch something she's like 
when I catch something, I stop it and I rewind it and I write it down to <laughs> have for information. She's like, and you guys are fun too. <laughs> and so it made me feel really good. And that's yeah. the point of having mm. this to inform and be fun and not have it just be like boring and, right. you know, monotone voice mm. and not, and just get throwing out facts. <laughs> Welcome back to the podcast. Yep, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ben voice or whatever. I think that's what his name is. Yeah. Yeah, you're like the the the, the Benster Bueller. He's called yeah. Voodoo Economics. Yes, that's him. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It's not like this is what blind looks like. You know, like yeah. Oh my god, yes. But no, I I totally just also wanted to educate the general public like because mm-hmm. that's what it's for you know mm-hmm. like it's for you know people who don't know what blindness is yeah to be They're educated foolish. they don't think we can do anything <laughs> you know? like i have a great story about that recently um i was on twitter and um, i'm promoting some new stuff that i'm going to be doing here in the future and um you know to me i i put it out there you know I, i'm like listen, I'm legally blind because I feel like the more I can be like out there and upfront about it, the more people who don't know are going to pause and be like, wait, what? So I did that on Twitter. I'm like, yeah, I'm legally blind. And literally the response I got, and I'm pretty sure you both have heard this before. They're like, okay, um, how are you responding to this tweet? And how do you know what you're typing and what I'm responding to you? And at first I wanted to be like, well, one, you are just completely, you know, uneducated, but I didn't want to be rude. So I I deleted that part. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And then I said, well, you see screen readers like Jaws um, allow us to, and then I went to the whole spiel of that. And then, you know, and, you know, every phone that's made right now, every current model has voiceover and accessibility on it. You just have to turn it on or just even ask Siri to turn it on and I I did that and um legit a little time goes by and he tweets back oh wow I just googled everything you told me about I never knew about this this is so cool thank you for letting me know Um, I'm definitely going to look into it more and next time I'll know better and that's yeah like you said like that's the goal isn't it so you just let people know because people are clueless I tell no. like everyone I know when I go to doctor's appointments, I tell them and then they write it down mm-hmm. and they're like, wait, what's it called? I'm going to check this out. It's like, yes, yeah. you know, like yeah. really hope they do and yeah. not just pulling my leg. Right, but, right. You know, yeah. So uh, I just want to ask a couple more uh, questions about your podcast. And then, you know, I have individual, um, you know, questions that I really want to dive deep in with both of you individually. Um, but in terms Absolutely. of, yeah, so in terms of the podcast, um, is it safe to say that you both complement each other very well? Like Angie, you have a lot of experience on the audio side. Um, Kimberly, you are, you know, very good at writing, scripting, you know, asking, you know, maybe even coming up with questions. So is it safe to say you both complement each other in a very good way? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we we work very well as a team, and I'm really glad I have Angie to do all that background work because 
I don't know how mm -hmm. to do any of that. And she's really good along with being the host and in mm -hmm. organization and in, you know, running mm -hmm. the show, stuff like that and thinking of it. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. So I'm interested in terms of like coming up with, you know, each episode, because you, your, your schedule is you do once a month, correct? Yes. Right. Yeah. For now. Yes. Right. Right. So for right now. Um, so in terms of planning, like what all goes into you guys getting ready to record an episode, you know, how much research do you go into? Um, do you do a lot of guests or is it more discussion? Um, definitely, you know, if you can let my listeners know, cause I'm, I'm sure they're curious to, you know, get a little bit of a more kind of in-depth understanding of, you know, what goes into your podcast. Honestly, it varies. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes it's guests. Sometimes it's just us discussing mm -hmm. things, but we bounce off topic uh -huh. with one another. And like, we have a note that we share mm -hmm. and we like write down ideas and topics and, mm -hmm. you know, so on and so forth. But mm -hmm. yeah, no, we, we definitely like to bounce off ideas. Like, oh, we should talk about this for this month. Or right. like, you know, or what do you think about this? Or sometimes like, Kimberly just tells me about something and I'm like oh why didn't I ever think about that you know yeah it's, or my it's... mom will come up with something and I'll be uh -huh. like no mom that's <laughs> like, then, thanks like, but no thanks on, I'll tell Angie she'll be like well why don't we do that and then I'll like argue my point and <laughs> you know but yeah so like, for instance, in the last episode with me alluding to um, having a certain condition, right, right. I was so vulnerable in that mm. episode. Like, I really went into things and we kind of, like Angie said, it varies. We will, if we think of someone, we'll contact them. Mm -hmm. If we don't have someone lined up, we'll go with a, a different idea that doesn't mm -hmm. require a guest. It just, it's just what works out as far as guests and people getting back to us mm -hmm. or something that happened recently or just not having anything. So we just make a really fun episode right. and stuff like that. So um, I want to talk to you both each individually about um, something um, and, you know, definitely want to talk to you about it in depth. Angie, with you, I would love to talk about... Um, Draco and uh, the training that you're doing with him because I know uh, you've probably gotten some people reach out to you wondering why you're handling his training the way that you are so I'd love to talk to yep. you about that and then for um, you Kimberly I would love to talk to you about your um, you know aspirations and desire to be you know a braille transcriptor and then you know you um, you know we've talked off record and you do some awesome work for I believe it's uh, NFB correct? Yes. So if you're okay, I'd like to talk to, to you about that more in depth. Sure. All right. So <laughs> I guess who wants to go first? <laughs> I, I can I can go first. All right. All right. So Angie, you currently are, um, you, you, you basically co-hosted your dog Draco that you have currently, and you have decided to do your formal training, but you have your own personal trainer that is handling the training. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, well, no, go ahead. Well, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, yes. It, it, um, so 
so Draco, <laughs> uh, he is being privately trained. Mm-hmm. Um, I helped with uh, co-raising him. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I would have him over for like holidays, like Christmas or, you know, our birthdays because our birthdays are in the same month. Aww. Fun fact. Yes. That's cute. You know? Yeah. Or like he was here, like I had him for what? three months because it was easter his Mm -hmm. birthday or his birthday my birthday and then his gotcha day which is like oh july Mm -hmm. 10th is his Uh gotcha day is when i brought him home Mm -hmm. and uh no he it was it was a it was a great time Mm -hmm. um you know i i worked with him here did some stuff here we went out and you know and now he's back with his trainer for his Mm -hmm. formal harness training and he's He's doing wonderful. I so here's how it happened. Yeah, the, yeah. The long story short, okay? <laughs> like I'm gonna give you the short of it. All right, so, go ahead. <laughs> I did not go. I did not go through a program with him. Um, he is actually, uh, like I said, being privately trained, mm-hmm. and it actually took months for me to find a breeder to work with. And uh, I was very honest of what I wanted the dog for and I mm-hmm. was able to save up for him and um, his trainer went with me to evaluate puppies and we evaluated two males and he was the one with the better score so he was the one that we took home okay and uh, you know he stayed with his trainer uh, since he was eight weeks and mm-hmm. um, when he was about 12 weeks he came to um stay with me for Mm -hmm. about two weeks and it was fun and uh (laughs) interesting (laughs) raising up you know having a little 12 week old puppy um for two weeks and uh then he went back with his trainer and then I saw him again like oh when he was about five six months old Mm -hmm. like so during the holidays and you know it's 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 a very rewarding experience honestly Mm -hmm. and it's something that like I it took a long time for me to like Mm -hmm. really think about it I didn't wake up and it wasn't from like (laughs) you know night to day where I'm like oh I'm gonna I'm going to um get you know get a dog Uh and hire a private trainer to train for guide work Mm -hmm. um no 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 it was not like that at all um my uh private trainer also happens to be a very good friend of mine Mm -hmm. and um she has worked um with dogs for 16 years Mm -hmm. and um she's also helped raise dogs for a um, service dog organization Mm -hmm. in my area and she's also um, helped uh, train guide dogs for other people aside from her own gotcha my trainer is also blind so oh wow there's there's that yeah that's amazing yeah yeah and you know I I always tell her like it's it's so amazing like not that you're doing this but just being like being able to see the dog just go from like one point to another like now he's 
you know, I remember having a 12 week old Draco here and my trainer <laughs> being on the phone with me and she kind of um, gave me like directions and like how to teach him to, to find steps. Uh-huh. And you know, I remember baby Draco, like, <laughs> making, you know, feeling down and making sure that it's, like, you know, baby paws were, like, on mm. that step. Yeah. You know, and now looking at him as an adult, I mean, he's he's been learning how to stop for curbs since he was a baby, and now he he tells you where a curb is, where steps are. Right. He's, um, I've seen him uh, learning how to pull and harness, and it's mm-hmm. just it's amazing to see, you know, all that has been put in mm-hmm. and, you know, that he's been getting it and that he, he wants to do it because, mm-hmm. you know, the misconception that people have is that these dogs are forced to work. No, yes. they're never forced to work. Yeah. They always have a choice on whether they want to do it or not. Not only that, mm-hmm. they decide you know yeah. and they're happy working yep. and they love it and yep. you know he he loves to work Draco loves to work and mm-hmm. um I also want to say that you know choosing the privately train that takes a lot of money and yeah. it's I'm not doing it for free right. I, I just want to put that out there mm-hmm. um and yes he is my first dog but I decided to do it this way because you know I wanted to help co-raise him uh-huh. you know and and I wanted to to um, be in his life, mm-hmm. you know, and and bond with him, mm. which you know we we have a bond. It's there. Mm-hmm. It's there. I mean, it's obviously it's still going to be having to be solidified once once we're placed and once he's with me, mm-hmm. you know. But we've got a bond already, and he already respects me, which is awesome. Yeah. So um, you know, a couple questions from um all that um well what. Well, well, one big question, but, you know, definitely uh, just me comment, making my own comment on what you said. Definitely 100% agree with you. Uh, so many people misunderstand guide dogs and service dogs and the job that they're, um, they do. Um, and sometimes they are asked to do. But, again, they are asked. And if they answer that they don't want to do it, then they don't have to do it. That's the thing about being a guide or a service dog. They are making the decision that they want to work. It's never us forcing them. Um, Dr. Amy Cavanaugh, who is a, an amazing uh, advocate, um, visually impaired herself, um, she had a tweet that she did once, and she's talking about how um, someone made the comment as she's walking through a mall, saying, well, at least the dog looks happy because she has a guide dog named Ava. And she's just like, how disrespectful of you to think that I'm forcing my dog and all at least in servitude, my dog looks happy to be serving me. It's like, no, it's not a, like a master slave relationship. It's an equal on equal grounds. It's, you know, it's a, yeah. partner, it's a partnership. If at any time, Andrews, my guy dog, would is to say to me, and he could say it to me, you know, before his, you know, retirement, which is next year. It's like, your dad, I'm done. I don't want to do this no more. And he will, he'll pull away from the harness. He'll stop working in harness. He just, he will tell me. And then I listen to him and then I decide, okay, well, you're done. 
And that can happen even earlier on. Like it could have happened at say six, seven, he could have decided, I don't want to do this. And then I would listen to him. People need to understand is we never force these dogs to work if they don't want to work. The ones that want to work have made a conscious decision that they would like right. to work and they're happy doing it. Right. And there's so many reasons as to why like a guide dog, you know, is retired early. Mm -hmm. Like, for mm -hmm. example, Molly, just Molly Burke yes. had to do it with yeah. Benny, with, yeah. you know, with Benny Boot, with Benny. Yeah, I know. You know, so just, she had to retire him. Yeah. Like, it could be health or it could be behavioral, you know, yeah. you never know. Mm -hmm. And then my, my question, though, is, you know, you, you kind of alluded to it to uh, a little bit, I believe, but uh, what really caused you to want to go the privately trained? Because, you know, there are a lot of organizations that you could get a dog for free. Yep. Um, oh, I know. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it <laughs> sounds like maybe you wanted more of an actual active part in this dog's yeah. life from the beginning. Yeah, I wanted to be a part of it. Mm -hmm. um, I wanted to be a part of the raising and I wanted to, you know, to be able to bond with him early mm -hmm. and to, you know, also enjoy him being a puppy, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. and because yeah, because I didn't get that, you know, I don't get from, you know, day one to six months, you know, I get him at, you know, a year and a half, and then I don't have any, yeah, right. of, any of that before. Right, yeah, exactly. And it, it's, it's just amazing just to see, like, how it all unfolds and how much it takes. And mm -hmm. like, you know, and not only that, but, but prior to learning how to pull and harness, like mm -hmm. there's health testing too. And, right. you know, I had to take him to go get cleared before, you know, thank God my trainer was with me because I was so nervous. Uh -huh. I was like, oh my God, I hope he, I hope he passes <laughs> and, you know, gets good scoring on his hips and elbows. And, mm -hmm. you know, he, he passed mm -hmm. thankfully, but oh my goodness. Cause that is another thing too, that yeah. also matters is, to make sure that they are able mm -hmm. to um, pull and harness. Yeah, yeah. So all the joints and muscles are perfectly yes, healthy absolutely. and strong. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, you know, just you know, how far along are you right now? Currently in the training, like, are you nearing the end, or like, like? Like, like how much more time do you have for training uh, or, or, you know, I'm just interested in where you are at in terms Draco, of Draco, uh, Draco right now, he's, mm -hmm. he's, um, you know, still learning to uh -huh. pull and harness. So mm -hmm. formal harness training is like four to six months uh -huh. typically. So, uh, there could be a chance that we could be placed, um, that we could be placed sometime in the fall. We'll see. Okay. Um, you know, that's all going to depend on, on him and how he <laughs> does with this training. But my, you know, his trainer is always in communication with me mm -hmm. and he's always, you know, letting me know how he's doing, his mm -hmm. progress. And it's always good to, good to hear, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> and, yeah. you know, I miss him. Don't of get course. me wrong. I, yeah. I miss him so much, but, yeah. you know, I know that, um, you know, soon you yeah. know when he's ready we'll be we'll be trained yeah together and we'll be placed yeah let's just say it sounds like very soon you you, you uh you'll have him permanently yeah so. 
it, yes, it, it, it'll, it'll be it'll be soon maybe draco's big draco now <laughs> <laughs> yes yes <laughs> well i i don't have a good way to segue or transition to kimberly so <laughs> i'm just gonna <laughs> <laughs> but um kimberly um you know talking to you and what i want to talk you know dive in more is you know you mentioned earlier that you are working to become a Braille transcriptor um, what mm -hmm. interests you into this type of career path? Have you always been looking at this as the ultimate goal for you? Not at all. Okay. I was trying and trying to get jobs, but the problem with being blind is sighted <laughs> people will always get it before you. Yeah. And because society thinks that we can't do anything. Mm -hmm. And so I kept running into trying to apply for jobs, apply for jobs, apply for jobs and not getting anything. And so my job counselors, like, it seems like unless you're going into a job for the blind, you're not, you know, it's hard to find anything. And yeah. I was like, oh, like maybe I should switch gears. And mm -hmm. so I, I prayed and I asked for, like some guidance mm -hmm. or a sign and it just came to me somehow I can't remember but to be a braille transcriber and I want to help people so it'll help students my passion is braille I love it I read mm -hmm. it every day I'm learning more of it I um it was the one thing in adjustment to blindness training that I was so happy to learn because it gave me that hobby back mm -hmm. because I liked listening to audiobooks, but it was just not the same. Mm -hmm. Like it, I was, I was fine with them, but once I learned Braille, it was just so eye opening and everything. So I, when I heard that there could be a job that would, include braille mm -hmm. i wanted to go along with that and there's lots of rules with it lots of memorization and someone that we had on a guest we had on um this season was like wait you're going into that you only learned it 11 years ago <laughs> and i was like yeah because uh, i just really like it and um and some people are like, I heard that's really, really hard. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's not very easy because they're very nitpicky, yeah. which is to be expected. Of course, but... yeah. So there's that. And then I'm a part of the NFB Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. I just got elected on their Wisconsin board, which oh, I was awesome. ecstatic about. Big congrats. And thank you. And I put a lot of work into it. I was vice president of our at-large chapter for two years. And now this is my fifth year of being president. Awesome. And it's a lot of work. It's mm -hmm. a lot of recruitment, fundraising, following up on people, checking in with people, part of other committees, having subcommittees mm -hmm. off of our chapter and it's a lot of work, but mm -hmm. I want to help blind people and 
It's the organization that helped me with my confidence and to give me my skills back. Mm -hmm. And it is difficult at times on days. It's really frustrating, but I'm learning to delegate things Mm -hmm. and who to trust when it comes to delegating things, who's reliable and who's not, or who's really good at one thing. And I learned to, I came up with it myself to when someone is recruited, ask what their skill set is. And instead of, I learned the hard way, pushing someone into something that they're not comfortable with Mm. because they're someone who is available right? over someone who could thrive at doing that Mm. job and doesn't mind that. So I learned to do that once I start once there's a new member, I call them personally and I talk to them and try to get them comfortable and tell them about it. And the hard thing is to get people met. Mm-hmm. So you can lead a horse to water, but you can't, <laughs> you know, there's people who I've plenty of people who I told about it, who might come to a meeting if I'm lucky. And then if I'm really lucky, they'll continue to come to meetings sporadically. And then they'll be like, oh yeah I'm glad I became in the part of the NFB or there's people who I recruit while I'm at camp and one woman she was so thankful she came up to me at the last state convention and just thanked me up and down Mm -hmm. and does every time she sees me and it just my heart sing it's like this is why we do this this Mm -hmm. is what it's what it's four right and i'm so glad that it's affecting people so Mm. positively and that we're finding these people that need this now for Mm. me it came later Mm -hmm. i was a good i don't know three or four years into my blindness when i learned about the nfb and was recruited and i went went to my first NFB National Convention in 07 and that is a life-changing experience and so just being a part of it it can be a full-time job Mm -hmm. it can be overwhelming but I'm still learning and it's a learning process but Mm -hmm. I'm glad to be a part of it and glad I can help people it's awesome so so they they recruited you yeah, our friend, me and Angie's friend, uh, told us about the NFB. Okay. And we got started in the student division. Uh-huh. Now with me, after I went to the Adjustment to Blindness Center, there was no division in my area. Mm-hmm. And so that's what the at-large chapter is about. Our friend told me that they were starting an at-large division which is a division for those who don't have one in their area gotcha or not a part of like wagdu which is what angie's a part of what are you vice president angie did we lose angie yes we- oh. <laughs> i yes sorry sorry i was muted for a second um yes or the student division or you know there's plenty of other divisions and there was no actual chapter for Mm -hmm. me because I wasn't a student and there was no chapter in my area so I kind of 
fell out of the NFB after I got back. Mm. But so, but since 2014, I've been a part of it again. And before that, I was a part of it between 06 and 2012. Mm. Mm. So, but anyway, um, for no fault of my own because of what I just mentioned but mm-hmm. yeah so it's it's really nice because we've gotten a lot of connections a lot of networking right a lot of friends for a, a, a lot of rapport mm-hmm. um, one contact that I have says that after my transcribing um there's a job that opened up for the Wisconsin school for the blind that's k through 12 where they would need a transcriber and it's like that's what's good about the networking and establishing a rapport and the leadership skills is that you connect sometimes it's just all who you know Mm -hmm. yeah and sometimes you don't even know what um, relationships can end up forming just by like talking to someone that that's what I found personally just through the podcast is like reaching out to some guests and then lo and behold it leads to these almost business ventures and I'm just like how does this even happen but I just think it's because this community is so good about lifting everybody up and always helping each other yeah and connecting mm-hmm. especially gaining friendships just all of that mm-hmm. yeah so I, I want to ask you a, a question about braille um and angie definitely please feel free to jump in on this because i love your opinion too um braille is awesome so i mean i mean i know that sounds weird to just say braille is awesome um but it is cool but i feel like it doesn't get the respect that it deserves like like i'm not, I'm not trying to like you know kind of like sign language is amazing you know, in um, it helps people with an auditory dis- disability be able to communicate and connect with people that they otherwise could not without it. Uh, and it is recognized as an official language. I have always felt strongly that Braille should be its own language. Um, but of course that I don't feel is recognized. And for some reason, I just feel that society at least doesn't kind of thrust Braille out in the open as much as I honestly personally would like to see it. What are what are your guys' thoughts on that? Yeah, I agree. There's some debate about this, mm-hmm. but I'm on the side where it should be recognized as a foreign language mm-hmm. in college because of how much it's seen in mm-hmm. elevators and on signs mm-hmm. and it's like you mentioned sign language there's tons of people who know sign language but not braille and, right but then again if you don't keep up with it if you don't use it you lose it but that's right. with any skill yeah that's and that's with any language too any yeah any yeah. skill any language in mm-hmm. braille it's its own it's its own separate Mm -hmm. rules and and grade two is signs like Mm -hmm. the different shuns at the end is certain signs and Mm -hmm. there's the and sign that you can have by itself or in a word I mean there's rules and in shorthand 
-hmm. pretty much you would call it. And so it is a learning process that is, it's English, Mm -hmm. but it's its own form of English. Right. What 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 are your thoughts, Angie? Um, do do you have any comments on um, on, on this? Yes, I well, I mean, Braille is a reading medium. It's not a language per mm-hmm. se, but um, you know, I'll just say that in there. Um, but yeah, I think that it should be recognized. I mm-hmm. think that you know it should be offered. Hey, like, do you want to as an as an elective in school? Like, do you want to learn another meet? a reading medium right you know you can take braille you know mm-hmm. because there are like braille transcribers that are needed mm-hmm. so it'd be a great it would be a great career path mm-hmm. yeah it's just you know I, I i know a lot of um at least from what i've talked to it's like just imagine like um blind uh, actors i mean you you know, a lot of times they go in there and they literally get scripts, you know, just the day of that they have to basically cold read. Uh, and, you know, they're, you know, like, what are they, you know, I, and I've talked to people like they literally say the reason that I don't do cold reads um, is because, you know, I have no time to actually prepare myself for it. And I, or I don't have, I know I'm not going to have the right material. So it's like if we just could universally make Braille more available um, it would open the doors to a lot of um, career paths for many different people. Yeah, Absolutely. you have to wait to mm-hmm. get it. Mm-hmm. Like there are things that I've asked for in mm-hmm. Braille that they'll be like, oh, we have to um, ask permission mm-hmm. and then you should get it next week in the mail. <laughs> next week. I need like, it today. <laughs> right. And then, and then a lot of times, like it's like it's like I, I've heard examples of, oh well, I'll go to a restaurant and I'll ask them for a braille menu, and they'll have one, but it's like several years outdated. So it's like, yeah. what what good does your braille menu do if you don't keep it up to date? Well, and that's another thing with transcribers. That's mm-hmm. another thing we can do, and mm-hmm. that's I will definitely be approaching restaurants and tell them, look, you can get blank customers that you can get more customers right. to come here if you, they are told that they can get, get a braille menu mm-hmm. mind you there's also the argument well they can just look up the menu online well, <laughs> not, every, not everyone has that option nor is their website mm-hmm. accessible is like right. I have from like there, there's many times I'll go on to a web a, a, a restaurant's website and I can use my voiceover for uh, to navigate, but sometimes they basically have it as a photo, basically, and yep. then it won't read oh, anything oh. to you. And you have like, okay, well, how am I supposed to know what's on your menu if your website's not accessible? Right. Yes. Yes. So that's where I'm like, well, that that would be my argument. It's like, well, okay, that that's a great argument, but it's kind of null and void if you're not then making your website accessible so if you're not going to make your website accessible you should at least offer a up-to-date braille menu then yep 
we 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 could get on a whole rant about that. <laughs> uh, but um, you know, I, I just you know you know bringing you both back now <laughs> together. <laughs> this has been a very interesting episode. Um, but um, what would you say has been like the most self fulfilling thing for you both when it comes to your podcast? Like, what has the podcast allowed you to do or express? that otherwise you wouldn't be able to without the podcast? I would say, for me anyway, is educating the general public because Mm -hmm. my friends know me. Mm -hmm. My family knows me. Mm -hmm. I am not doing this podcast for them. I'm doing this podcast for the public Mm -hmm. because the public, you know, they have misconceptions about blindness Mm -hmm. you know there's like misconceptions with like the media and disability like (laughs) we all know this right yep um and to me i feel it's important to just educate and let people know well hey like blind people we are we can be successful we Mm -hmm. can live productive lives we can have jobs we can have families you know there's more to us than just our blindness right you know like if my friends and family know that i'd like the public to also just right know that blindness is you know it's not the end of the world (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) yeah and we're, we're not all um wearing black sunglasses uh no with a walking cane and we're not just all sitting on our bums collecting checks you know it's just right exactly like we yeah we want we want to have paying jobs we want to be members of society too like i'm still job searching and you Mm -hmm. know what like what does blindness look like blindness looks like anything (laughs) it can be the you know blind senior learning Mm -hmm. how to how to cook in his kitchen it could be, you know, the blind student, you know, reading a Braille textbook. It mm-hmm. could be, a, you know, a blind woman in her 30s looking well put together, mm-hmm. you know, walking with her dog, going to her job every day. Mm-hmm. Like, it could be anything. Yep. Yeah, it's, that's the one thing. It's like it, when, when, when you really, like, boil it down, I mean, one, disability is the single largest minority in the world. That is a true fact. You can look that up. You will find it true. We are the largest minority in the world because disability does not discriminate. It comes for everybody. It doesn't matter the color of your skin, um, what you identify as, um, you know, your eth- you know, ethnicity, um, what you believe in religiously, <laughs> personally. Uh, it'll come for you if you li- and, Hey, if you live, li- even if you live long enough, you're you're gonna have some type of disability. You know, it might not be severe, but, you know, as we get older, we lose certain things. So that's the thing. It doesn't discriminate. And then again, I always joke and say, well, I never knew that disability had a dress code because if it does, then I didn't read the dress code because um, I don't dress the way, nor do I walk or talk the way that uh, you believe that a disabled person should. So to me, it's like, let's, yeah, let's educate and move past these tropes that are severely, crudely outdated. Yeah. Kimberly, what, what about you? What has been so self-fulfilling for you? Do, do you mirror 
uh, and echo Angie's sentiments and, um, you know, or, you know, or, you know, is there something for you that you're personally really glad to be able to express to the podcast? Um, some of my immediate family doesn't know okay. too much of how things work. Mm -hmm. So that's important. And my friends, they're, some people are afraid or think it's rude to ask questions. <laughs> for me, yeah, I guess it's different for everyone, but uh -huh. for me, like, go ahead, ask questions. If yeah. I have time to sit down and have a conversation, mm -hmm. I will. I mm -hmm. don't mind. And this is my way of being like, hey, if you want to know more about this, do you listen to podcasts? Oh, you know, <laughs> I, we have this podcast and everything like that so yeah they're they're in society in general I mean most places I go I put a plug into the podcast mm -hmm. and so yeah so um you know you mentioned that you have an episode coming out soon um you know you, uh, you know, it focuses on a genetic syndrome that you have, Kim. We, uh, I won't make y'all spoil it. Uh, <laughs> uh, but <laughs> is, is there anything that you um, might be looking forward to in terms of covering on the podcast? Any topics that you might have not talked about yet that you are maybe interested on talking about on the podcast? You know, it, it, what what it, what is it that you are working on or would like to work on in the future that you see and I would like to see to the podcast? Well, we did an interview with my glaucoma specialist mm -hmm. and we didn't get through all the questions. So we're going to at some point have a second half. Mm -hmm. There was so much I learned because it's not like you can sit there and take up their time and just ask them a million questions about <laughs> things that have nothing to do with your case. Right. And they have other patients too. Mm -hmm. And so there was so much I learned personally about him and about different things. And it, it was fascinating and he's so well spoken and goes mm. into things into detail not too greatly but enough to be understanding and there's some questions we didn't get to that I think are important to cover mm -hmm. so that'll be coming up and then if I can also say we want to do an episode on bullying Mm. And we want to get stories about instances or times that you've been bullied, like, relentlessly. It doesn't have to be just ongoing for a year or years, or it can be just one time that affected you or a story that you've heard of that you ask permission to pass along but mm -hmm. we really want to touch on bullying since there's so much going on mm -hmm. with that especially in this gen z generation of yeah. kids that we didn't have growing up and we know the stories are out there so please please hit us up and let us know your story and um you can be anonymous we won't have to give you your name it's totally fine but it's important that people feel that they're not alone in that aspect. Mm -hmm. All right. So I'm submitting my, uh, my, my experience right now. 
do that shit with it. But no, definitely. Uh, I I have. Uh, if you would like, and if 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 you would allow me, I can definitely share because, of course, uh, no, absolutely, I, I definitely experienced this. Totally. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, yeah, sure. Feel free. Yeah. And then another thing that I am looking forward to is um my uh, guide dog series for sure. Yeah. Do you have any plans on the way you'd like to uh, approach it? Um, you, you know what, what like. Do you want to do it from like start to finish? Yes, we're going to be doing it from like start to finish. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually just developing it uh, mm-hmm. right now. It'll be like a two, two-parter okay. because I'm going to be talking about. You know, because it's different. Um, learning to work with a dog is going to be something that I've never done before. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> there is that, you know, right for sure. Yeah. So it's, you know, it, it's definitely, you know, if, if you know, I'm, I'm picking this up, right. It's, it's, you know, it's outside of the experience that I'm probably sure a, a lot of people are used to. So it's like, you know, I'm pretty sure you've heard a thousand times of the, these programs that they have in these organizations, but I'm pretty sure you haven't really heard a lot about, you know, the privately trained route that you can take because that that is a route that is open to people. But again, um, I definitely don't think it's as, you know, talked or, um, you know, publicized as much as it should. Uh, it is. And so I, I think this will be a great series. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So as we, we wrap up here, um, you know, I, I always like to, you know, kind of in the episode with allowing you guys to, you know, share anything that you guys have going on right now that people can support. Um, if there are ways that, um, you know, my audience that is listening to you, this episode can support you in any way, how they can do so. And definitely if you could please share your link so that way my audience can become your audience as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, you can find us on, you know, Facebook and Twitter. Mm-hmm. This is what Blind Looks Like on Facebook. And uh, Twitter is Blind Looks Like, at Blind Looks Like. We also have a Patreon, so you can find us out, find us on there. We definitely want to get a little more active on Patreon, mm-hmm. for sure. So, I mean, any support on Patreon helps. Um, so, I mean, if we can get a little bit of support, mm-hmm. so then we can also be a bit more consistent on patreon as far as posting mm-hmm. you know whether it's updates whether it's going live whatever it is yeah anything you would like to add kimberly she pretty much covered it <laughs> all right well, well no you forgot one more thing oh what's that oh the email <laughs> we definitely no, need that my job. okay you can email us at this is what blind looks like pod at gmail.com. And if any of the listeners have any topics or ideas for us, we're always open to certain topics and episodes, things we haven't covered that maybe we haven't thought of. So let us know. Awesome. Yep, feel free to slide into our DMs and <laughs> please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Hey, and can... listen to us wherever <laughs> you listen to podcasts. Can you tell they've done this for a while, guys? <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Angie, Kimberly, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I, I've had a lot of fun. So um, thank you for uh, allowing me to talk to you. Thank me you, too. Chad, for thank allowing you. us to, Absolutely. to come by. And, of course. And, you know, uh, I'm glad that we're able to do this. And mm-hmm. uh, let us know if you want us to come on a, on a future episode. Absolutely. You will always have an open invitation. Uh, no, I can't. I, I could be completely on break and you could email me uh, and I, I would happily have you on. So please know anytime you guys are always welcomed here on Hindsight. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. You're very welcome. Well, you guys, that's going to be it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed. If you did, you know, you, you can email me and let me know, but you can also email me. If you want me to pass any questions along to my guests today, just email me at cmbouton. That's C as in Chad, M as in Michael, B as in boy, O-U-T-O-N, cmbouton. It's all one word, cmbouton at yahoo.com. You can follow the podcast along on Twitter. Just go to at 2200hindsight. It's at 20200hindsight, at 2200hindsight. If you know anyone that would love to listen to the podcast, please do let them know. We are on hindsight. We're hindsight. We're no, we are on (laughs) Anchor, Spotify. That's probably why I said hindsight, but um, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Hindsight is 20 slash 200. No, it is not. Hindsight is 2020 because hindsight is 20 slash 200, sillies. So please go give a listen and yeah, rate, like, review. We would love to have you. Anyways, thank you again to my amazing guest, the host of. This is what blind looks like. Angie and Kimberly, hope you guys had fun. As always, stay safe, be kind, and we'll see you next time. Bye, guys. Bye.